Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Rubber gloves have touched so much dirty stuff, and the only way to put on rubber gloves is to touch the rubber gloves. So then you take the dirty stuff that the rubber gloves are living with, and then you put them on your fingers, and then you stuff them into rubber, and then you sweat, and then it all goes into your skin. So you're basically much worse off than if you used your mouth. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I want to start this week's podcast by thanking people who've been in touch over the last week. Say, I'm sorry to hear about your son's leg, because if you were listening to last week's podcast, you'll know that as we were recording, I got a phone call from my wife at the hospital, and uh, my son has fractured his leg and it's in a plaster cast, so we had to cut the podcast short, and um, and I had to, to go to the hospital. And you drove me there. I did drive you there, yeah. That, I think, is the first time I've ever been a car, in a car with you behind the wheel. It definitely is, yeah, yeah. And, and you were quite reluctant. I had to, I said, do you want to lift? And you're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go out of your way. And I, I'm, I'm actually going past there. And you went, no, no, I'm sure, I'm sure it's in your way. And I said, it's really not in my way. I just thought with the way you have described your own driving, it would have been quicker to walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it? But I, I do like the way that you've got a little uh, cushion. On the seat, Stop on the driver's it. seat, and you sit forward Stop like an old lady. It. Stop it! <laughs> I do sit quite far forward, but I like to concentrate and make sure I can see things well. Now, I have to say, you were uh, you were a perfectly adequate driver. Perfectly adequate. I did not feel. Do you know what I can't be doing with anybody is overconfident. Oh, we hate that. as a driver. I would r- much rather an underconfident person crawling along, yeah, yeah. like holding up all the traffic behind them. Yeah, yeah. Which I think you know you very much fall into that category. Yeah. I, I would much rather that than somebody who is, is plays fast and loose so yeah, yeah. um yeah that that was uh, so that was an experience it was a rough day mm. but that was an enjoyable thing within it i'll tell you something i've felt subsequently is that because my 3 year old son now has his leg in a plaster cast mm. i feel that i am being judged by people because of why well you obviously don't take care of your kid no. Yeah, I think really? there's. The, yeah, I think people think. Well, how's that happened? How has a, a toddler ended up with a broken leg? You don't see that very often, do you? A toddler with a broken leg. That is some negligent parenting going on right there. No. Yeah, nobody's said as much. Have you tried to overcompensate in any way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I do actually is, as soon as somebody asks about it, I really go to great lengths to emphasise that it was just an everyday fall in the front room, just like it happens to all toddlers. <laughs> 
yeah. I was right there beside it, which mm. is all true. Mm. But I really, you know, over explain. Of course, that's that's what I've been doing. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's been um been quite a, a rough week from that respect, dealing with a toddler with a fractured leg. Uh, the the other weird thing that happened was um, so I, I had to go to Liverpool the other day and then I came back and Sarah was doing a gig this is my wife who's a comedian she she was doing a gig so I thought I'll go and surprise her because we've got a babysitter at home I'll go and surprise her and meet her at her gig and I knew I probably wouldn't get there in time to see her perform but I'll probably get there you know either for the back end of it or once she's come off stage so I arrive at this little comedy club Mm. and it's not apparent to me where she would be lurking. Because a lot of these places, they're, they're not grand. They're just rooms above, above pubs, so there's no dressing room as such. Mm. But this was a, a little club, so I'm wandering around, and um, this woman comes up to me and says, hi, can I help you? I say, yeah, I'm looking looking for my wife. She's one of the acts. She's saying, oh, who's that? I said, it's uh, Sarah, Sarah Barron. She says, oh, you're Sarah's husband. And there's something off in her voice. Right. And... I say, say, yeah, I, I just thought I'd come and see her. She, she didn't know I was coming. I'm surprising her. I said, okay, I'll go, and, I'll go and find her. I said, I'll just pop to the loo quickly first. So she says, fine. So I go to the loo. I come back from the loo. I'm standing outside this dressing room door. And I'm there for quite a long time. Hmm. And then eventually Sarah comes out. Yeah. So we start chatting and I say, can I ask you something? There seemed to be, there seemed to me to be a long delay in between me telling that woman I was your husband and you coming out. And she went, yeah, she didn't believe you. Really? I said, what? She said, yeah, there's, there's some guy and he's claiming to be your husband. He seems a bit strange. <gasps> no. Yes. <laughs> so like, something I think we all worry about is how we come across to strangers. And here's how I come across to strangers when I'm just being completely normal, is like the sort of person who would turn up and hang around a comedy club stage door pretending to be somebody's husband so that I could meet them. <laughs> and we also, we all want to know, like, who in truth is the better looking of one of us? <laughs> like, I think you might have got your answer there. Yeah, yeah, we're not an evenly matched <laughs> no, no. couple, aren't we? <laughs> well, according to this Your lady. Sarah's husband? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing, which we don't, obviously. Mm, it's quite apparent adrift please share your story with us if you've got anything like uh, what just happened to me there where you think you were just acting normally and somebody else had you pegged down as some kind of weirdo maybe flagged it up with an authorities had you down as a suspicious person of interest then do let us know about it as well as all the usual stuff about social ineptitude and feeling like you just don't know how to do life like other people do uh, then share it with us please hello at adriftpodcast.com and this first one's from regal mistress keza I work for a doctor's surgery and just after Christmas got asked to go and verify that a gentleman called Bob had sadly passed away. This seems a bizarre thing to do, but if people pass in surgery hours, they do sometimes ask health professionals to go and give a time of death for paperwork reasons. I phoned back the family with a suitably sombre voice and spoke to Bob's son. I clarified directions to the farm as it was in the middle of nowhere and then thanked the son saying, well, thank you, Bob. I'll be there in 15 minutes. 
the sun went very quiet. And I realised that, yes, I had just called the sun uh, by the extremely uh, recently departed uh, father's name. I was mortified. In desperate optimism, I checked the son's name with the office as maybe he had the same name as his dad. Sadly, he didn't. His name did not even sound similar, uh, so I couldn't even pretend I'd slurred and coughed it, etc. <laughs> Thankfully, they were jolly understanding and a lovely family who had been there for a very peaceful passing. One of them went on to say that Bob was a terrible joker and would have very much enjoyed my my cock up and that it would not be surprising for him to sit up in bed and laugh at anyone now a proper jester may he r.i.p it still makes my toes curl now though just thinking about it i love that bob was such a joker they thought that maybe he's the type who would affect his own death and then sat up and laughed at his relatives i love bob yeah <laughs> okay let's move on to sean he says, back in 2007, I worked in Manchester, very near what is now Media City. We also had an office in London near to Vauxhall, and part of my job was to make regular visits to this office. The London-based business was borderline trendy, some might say sexy. And to be honest, the job probably didn't require as many regular visits as I tended to make. It was populated extensively by postgrad, health-conscious, beautiful young people who tended to make the working day go quicker for a late 30-something accountant. And being pre-Credit Crunch London, they didn't mind the odd night out on the town. Of course, as I'm down there anyway, I might as well join in, huh? I was there about three years. So when I left in August 2007, I had two leaving dues, one in Manchester and one in Old London Town. Some of my staff and colleagues from Manchester actually came down to the London one. I was having a great time and so were all the beautiful people. I am a happily married man and of course, from their perspective, I was just the harmless middle-aged accountant who was surprisingly good fun on a night out. I was getting a bit excited by all the attention and when my Manchester colleagues turned up, I was holding court in a group containing several attractive young ladies and an IT guy called Tom. So, as the Manchester guys came over, I said, hey, thanks for coming. Let me introduce you. I then held out my hand, palm up, and introduced the circle one by one. Nicola, Jessica, Melissa, Claire, Diana, Keisha, Shelley. I held my palm out towards Tom and suffered a complete mind blank. I'd reeled off all the name of the ladies and I couldn't place the geeky dude for love nor money. He calmly introduced himself like, this happens a lot, but I was mortified. In true Dritter fashion, I took a large gulp of lager, went bright purple, started (laughs) sweating and tried to pretend like I was just taking a breath. And I knew it was Tom all along. Oh, dear. Oh, that's a great strategy. I'm going to use that one. And this is from Jane. I was in a training session for work with a colleague of mine from the same department. My colleague is a good friend of mine. She tends to say how she feels and what's on her mind, which is great, usually. We were in the training with about eight or so other people from the wider company. Some faces I knew to some degree, some I'd never seen before. This was a kind of interactive training where you need to work in groups. For the first part of the session, we had to go around and shake everyone else's hand. We were asked to use different types of handshakes, strong one, soft dead fish one, terrible two-handed one, etc. And then we were going to talk about what each of the types of handshakes said about the other person. One young woman in the group, you couldn't really tell unless you were really paying attention, but she had some issues with her hands. They're probably a little smaller than they should be and looked like she couldn't straighten her fingers all the way out. Anyway, it's not a problem for training, but I did make a point that I was going to be a little more careful when I shook her hand on my way round. My friend, however, is clearly oblivious to this. She is going round the room and then she comes to this woman and reaches out to shake her hand. 
And she says delightfully, oh, it's like a little claw. And then she keeps walking around to the next person without even noticing the gravity of what she said. I, however, heard that loud and clear and knew exactly what had happened. I immediately felt horror and tried to keep from looking at the poor woman who just had her hand called a claw. We sat back down at our spots and those words kept echoing in my mind. My friend still completely oblivious to the woman's hands or the meaning of what she said. I wasn't sure how I was supposed to sit through an entire day with both in the room reminding me of this. The girl left midway through the morning saying she didn't feel well. I still don't know if this was true or if my friend had offended her so greatly she had to leave. I wasn't able to tell my friend this until about six months after when I finally revealed the story to her. She was suitably horrified, but never even remembered the encounter. I still see the woman around sometimes and the memory makes me feel the same horror all over again. I just want to... At the beginning there, you said we, you were in a group where you had to judge different types of handshakes. Yeah, yeah. It really annoys me that we judge each other on handshakes. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I shook somebody's hand once and he said to me, oh, I can tell what type of school you went to. Really? Yeah, and he was somebody who'd been to like a posh private school. Because yours wasn't as firm as his. Like it was a comprehensive... No, he said it's like I shake hands like I've got um, one of those joke buzzers in my hands. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about this. Really? Yeah, I'll shake your hand. Like, yeah. I know it. Like, that's Ow, my hand. That hurt. That that's, actually hurt. Sorry. It's all right. But, but if it hurt, I'll tell you why it hurt. Because people go on so much about, well, you judge character with a firm handshake. Yeah, yeah. That's made me paranoid about my own handshake. Why should your handshake <laughs> be an indicator of your personality? It shouldn't. It's nothing to it's do ridiculous. with it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, if you uh, if you haven't yet shared your story, please do. We love receiving these so much. It's, it really is our favourite thing every week. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Adrift. Under your control. With Jeff, Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle, ways in which you're not a fully functioning adult. Part 12, part do's. Yeah. Yeah. Memory. I actually didn't realise how bad this was until the scum incident. When I told a story on the podcast about how years ago I started calling chewing gum scum to impress a boyfriend with my cool use of language. I feel embarrassed even saying it again. (laughs) And then just two weeks later on the podcast, when someone suggested it as a word to go on the pencils, I had no idea at all what they were talking about. Now, as we said, it was out of context and the scum incident was 25 years ago. And I'd only really thought about it again recently. But still, this is without doubt a sign of a terrible memory. And I'm thinking now that... If I'd had a knock to my head that caused memory loss, like nobody would really notice. And maybe I did have a knock to my head. When people say things like, oh, you know what? I can remember every word to Ice Ice Baby, but I can't remember where I left my glasses. I just think, you can remember every word to Ice Ice Baby. I can only do the first four lines. And I've heard that song a lot. And some of my favourite songs, I think I don't know all the words. And since the scum incident, I've really started to doubt my memory a lot more. My mum dropped my niece's coat round for my sister to pick up recently. And then a week later, she asked if she got it. And then she was so shocked that my sister hadn't been round to collect it. But I started to think, oh, maybe she did. Like Maybe my sister did come round, even though she never just pops round. So that would be quite memorable. Maybe she did it and I just forgot. And I had to go into the cupboard to check whether the coat was still there or not. Me and Tom started watching series two of the OA this week. Are you on that yet? Oh, not series two. Oh, okay. No, I didn't realise it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Didn't realise it had, it had dropped. It's, it's dropped. Yes, it has yeah. dropped. Yeah. So we watched the first series. When was that? About eighteen months ago. Yeah. And it was like I'd never seen that first series. I remembered nothing apart from the lead was a blonde lady and there were some scenes in some kind of underground greenhouse. And yeah, I, I'm the same. I watched that. I loved it at the uh, time. Yes. And it was sort of like in a suburban American 
like it called it was there a cul-de-sac i, I can know. sort of know the i can sort of see the town but <laughs> right that, okay a, or you know know what roughly Sounds like the you've, town got, is. you've obtained one image yeah yeah it kind <laughs> of is. Whole, like, something about series. it reminded me of like where that where et was set or something <laughs> okay. although it's very possible i'm getting it mixed up with that other thing what oh, the thing so you can't even remember the other thing stranger things oh okay yeah, okay yeah. okay so I asked Tom if he could remember anything, because when it started, I was lost straight away. And he went on to outline the entire first series in great detail. It was like he'd written it or something, like, and written it yesterday. Like, it, I don't understand how he could remember no. it all. But this was no surprise to me, though, that I've taken to reading plot summaries online of TV shows that I watch between episodes, as otherwise <laughs> I struggle to know what's going on. And I generally mean if there's a week between episodes, but I have been known to do it when I'm binge-watching something. <laughs> Although that's more that I'm... I'm struggling to follow because I can't stop daydreaming, so that's not good. But there has been one occasion when I got to the end of a book and I realised that I read it before and it was only the ending that triggered the memory. And who knows how many more times I've done that but just never known. And I had a moment earlier of paranoia of what if I'm reading the same one book over and over again? I just don't know. I've completely abandoned my use of the phrase nice to meet you or lovely to meet you yeah. because I'm so sick of the response of, oh, well, no, actually we have met before. Yeah. Why don't these people just go along with it they can't help flaunting their superior memory then i have to go oh yes sorry i i, I thought you looked familiar which of course i didn't at all right. and i hope they fill in the details you say nice to see you to yeah, everyone yeah. that's what you do well i've tried saying to everyone that i believe i'm meeting for the first time but i don't know lovely to see you again just to cover my back right. in case we have met but i think it just freaks the people that i have generally never met before out it would be so much better if, say, when we shake hands with people, there's some kind of DNA recognition chip in our hands that glows purple if you've shaken hands before and glows orange if you haven't. Like, that is a good idea, isn't it? I honestly don't see why it's not possible and why it hasn't been done yet. There we go. Something good has come out of my poor memory. But if I ever meet a genetic chip scientist, I'll probably just forget to tell them. So what's the point? Dogs don't get offended. They don't. They just do they? go straight in there and start sniffing each other's backsides. Yeah, it doesn't we... matter if they've met a hundred times or if it's for the first time. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? I almost have a big announcement to make. Okay. It's about the first ever Adrift live show. Oh. And the reason I say I've almost have a big announcement to make is is it's not quite confirmed, but the only reason it's not confirmed is I haven't sent this guy Mal a, a reply to his email, which I just haven't got round to yet. So if you say sent it right after this, then it is definite. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to do it now. No, no, could, no. Because we've done some boring things on the podcast on, on the radio show before that, but I think it would be a bit much having me sit here and type out an email, especially since the H key on my keyboard has stopped working. That's annoying. It's really annoying. Mm. Um, I have to press it about four times before I get an H, <laughs> or then sometimes I press it once and get 10 H's. Um, not good. I keep sort of sending emails and accidentally writing ting instead of thing, <laughs> which makes it sound like I'm trying to, you know, use street lingo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a good ting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, it's going to be on Saturday, the 29th of June, and it's going to be in Hebden Bridge, which is the most wonderful place. It's this little town um, in the Pennines, and it's such a great place. I did an episode of the other show there. Mm-hmm. 
last year and it's this really thriving creative small town where i don't think there are any chain shops or if there are chain shops they're they're very few but there's lots of cool independent local businesses they do this arts festival every year um it's it's just a great place so i think if you're interested in coming to the adrift live show you should make a make a weekend of it yeah check into a b&b or maybe even go camping i'm not a camper myself no, not we need a, we're not really no. the outdoor types. No, no, but I'm sure there's some campers out there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and and honestly, Hebden Bridge is great. It's also close enough to Leeds or Manchester where if you wanted to either travel from either of those places or make a little city break, you could combine that. But I'm so excited to go there. Look up this town because uh, it's, it's fascinating. It sort of books the trends. Like A lot of towns have become depressed economically in recent years and Hebden Bridge has really booked the trend. And we did an episode of the other podcast about how they've done that okay um Hmm. it's it's a really cool interesting place a a bit of a worry that i have yeah is because it's a cool interesting place Mm. the people who live there tend to be really involved in what's going on in the on the art scene and it's got a real art scene so they go to see stuff and i'm worried about people who aren't drifters coming to see the live show and thinking who are these what the hell is this who are these people how are they charging money for people to buy tickets mm. to come to this thing yeah, that, okay that is a worry yeah maybe you have to sort of prove your identity as a drifter before yeah. you buy tickets because <laughs> i met you know i met at least one drifter in hebden bridge okay uh sarah mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah uh, who is mal's wife yeah is a drifter and it was her i think who had the idea that we should go there mm. and mal who runs this great place and this is where we're going to be the, doing the show we're going to do a show uh, um a place called the trades club which is a Honestly, it's a magical venue. You're going to love it. Um, so at least there's going to be Sarah and then Mal, I guess, will be dragged along whether he wants to or not. Uh, so there'll be two, mm-hmm. but we could do with some more. Yeah, definitely. So more details on this. So I'm going to email him back after we finish recording the podcast today. And then we'll, we'll just wait for him to send us a link for where you can get your tickets oh, from. Exciting. It's really yeah. exciting. I'm thinking we might bring on a special guest. Okay got a little idea for a special guest right. um just so that it's not too disappointing for people yeah okay but anyway to be, all this to be uh, revealed when we've actually worked out what we're going to do not that we're going to work out what we're going to do until about an hour before don't be but... silly <laughs> yes anyway uh more on that hopefully on next week's podcast jeff, jeff lloyd and annabelle port germans drift i treated myself the other day oh yeah i saw online a hat Oh, that is a great hat. Okay. Now, I'm not much of a hat guy, am I? No, that's in, why I'm surprised. In the summer, I'll wear a, a Panama. Mm, yeah. Although somebody recently told me that I look like a sex tourist when I'm wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that applies to anyone in a Panama hat, Panama hat though. And that puts me off wearing the hat, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. It wasn't what I was going for. It wasn't? Oh, right. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't the Panama. I was on this website. I've got this friend, Leo, in Sweden, who is really cool. He's just got this great eye for design. He runs an interior design business, but he's got a little shop as well where he sells a lot of secondhand things. But he, he made these hats or had these hats made. He didn't make them with his hands. Right. Uh, and they're baseball caps. Uh, okay. And they just, they're, I think they're really nicely made baseball caps. Yeah. And they just say one thing on them. Like some of them say red wine. Or some of them say flowers or, you know, whatever, okay. pine furniture. Are you going to tell us what you went for? I went for one that said nature. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. 
And I just thought it's beautiful hat. It's sort of in a in a kind of khaki colour. I knew it'd be green. Em, what's that? <laughs> I knew it'd be green. Yeah. <laughs> because of nature, probably. Yeah, and it's it's embroidered, hmm. it says nature on it, and I thought this is a nice looking hat. This sounds nice. Yeah, I was yeah. really and I'm not a big baseball cap wearer. But I you, you do know. suit one. Right. Suit one. You think I, so? I think so. I do think so. This is interesting. Okay. Oh, so uh right. on, on Saturday, um I was Sarah had gone out somewhere, I forget where, and I was getting Jean ready to go to the cinema, which is what we do every Saturday morning. And this package arrived and it's this hat. And I'm so excited because it's a sunny day. So I pop it on. Uh, off I go to the cinema. I take Jean to the cinema. I don't even want to take my hat off on the cinema, but I know it's mm. a bit weird wearing yeah, a baseball yeah. cap. Um, and then afterwards we go to meet Sarah. Okay. So <laughs> we end up meeting her in a park and she's sitting waiting on this bench. And as I arrive, I can see her face drop. And she says, oh, <laughs> so, so what? She went, uh, the hat. I said, oh, you don't like it. She said, mm, it's not great. Oh, no. And I said, oh, I, I really like it. She went, mm, no, I, I don't think it's you. I don't think you really suit that type of hat. So I take it off and I'm looking at it in a rather forlorn way. Yeah. And um, she says, I mean, it just makes you, you you have a big head and it makes you look like a pinhead. It doesn't suit your head at all. It makes your head look small and it's a weird shape. I think she means the hat and not my head, but right, I'm, right. I'm crestfallen yeah. at, at this point yeah. to find out that she thinks this hat that I really love hmm. makes me look like a pinhead. And I look at it, I look down in my hand at it and I think, Okay, that's it. I'll never wear that hat again then. Oh, but you loved it. I did love it, but I was mocked so roundly that I can can never wear that hat again. So I had a bit of a sulk. Hmm. She said, what are you sulking about after a while? (laughs) I said, well, you know, you you were kind of, um, you kind of upset me by saying how bad I looked in the hat. And she said, well, when I asked you, and she harks back to something that happened a few, few days previously, she said, mm. when I asked you how my hair looked a few days ago, oh, God. and you said, mm, it's not my favourite. What? <laughs> really? Okay. She said, you know, you were honest with me. I was just being honest with you. I was saying there's a difference there, though, isn't there? Do you see what the difference is? The difference is when I asked you a few days ago what you thought of my hair. Uh, well, um, so if somebody mm, asks mm, you for an opinion, mm, mm. I think, you know, sometimes if, if I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, I'll tell her she looks great. Mm. But if she wants an honest opinion from me, if I don't think something looks great. Yeah. But the point is that opinion was solicited. Yeah. Okay. Or is is that the point? Okay. Should you just tell somebody if they look bad and if they look like a pinhead? I find out in this week's The Incident. For advice on this one, I went to the most honest person I know, perhaps even the most brutally honest person I know, Paloma Faith. Jeff, it's absolutely horrendous. But when when I sent you a picture of it, you you, you sent back a message saying, wow. As in, wow, I can't believe you think that looks good. What don't you like about it? First of all, it's too beige, not just in colour, but in vibe. And I just think, you look like Martin Dresser's lamb. <laughs> you look like a maths teacher that's trying to appeal to to his students <laughs> and failing. Or an out-of-work out Los Angeles film director. Okay. okay. See, I feel like if you were to wear a hat, like a cap, it should be a colour. 
All right. Well, let's. We're, we're getting bogged down in detail about the hat here. What I really wanted to ask you about was it. Do you think it was insensitive of my wife to just tell me she dis- disliked it? Because it no. was bring, it was bringing me joy. I this this hat arrived in a jiffy bag. I was pleased to see it. I went out with it on. Then I went to meet her, and she w- without me asking her what she thought of it, she just launched into a tirade about what an awful hat it was. I've got my partner wears hats that I absolutely despise, and I tell him all the time, but he wears them anyway. That's why it confirms to me that despite the fact that he's genuinely quite shy he's obviously a really strong character to go out with me because I'll be like you look absolutely awful and then he just keeps wearing it but shouldn't <laughs> he doesn't even say anything he's just like okay and then he just continues and he put it on day after day shouldn't you wait to be asked for an opinion no because isn't that part of like I'm um, you're married like when you said your vows what you also signed up for was like also your partner's opinion unsolicited opinion yeah but and actually you've sort of like also when you say to somebody I want to be with you for the rest of my life whether that's by getting married or having a child you're basically saying I love you warts and all so if you say something as sort of trivial as like oh you've got a rubbish hat on then it doesn't mean that you've stopped loving them. I know that you've got deep insecurities, Jeff, and you would assume that meant <laughs> she wants a divorce. But I can confirm that it would just be like, oh, I wish you would wear that hat. Like, <laughs> but didn't you didn't you have an album called Do You Want the Truth or Something Beautiful? I don't yeah. want the truth about my hat. I want to hear the, the person, something beautiful so, about my hat. The person that I've ended up being with, I've thought about this, and it boils down to the fact the reason why he's perfect for me is because he can take the truth. All my previous boyfriends get so upset or got so upset and would, like, sulk for weeks about things that I said like that. and like, But I do think there's a slight time and the pace in in the sense that certain things are really awful. Like whether someone's wearing, if somebody's wearing something they've added onto themselves or they've said something that's out of character and you criticise it, then fine. But if you start saying, I just hate the way your hands, <laughs> like your fingers just bend in one direction, it's really annoying me, yes, yes. then that's something that they can't change, and yes. that's quite rude. Yes, my like wife has pointed my... out that I have creepy little hands. Yeah, like my, like I would worry about that if I was you. But my ex-boyfriend once, um, I think... <laughs> I I criticised the shape of his penis. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hey, your penis is really weird. It looks like a child's penis, but on a grown man. (laughs) What made you think that he would want to hear that? (laughs) It just came into my head. Was it during foreplay? It was after sex. And then I just thought... Oh, my God. Like, I couldn't believe that he'd, like... I was sort of laughing about it. <laughs> and I didn't get that he didn't get the joke. How how long did the relationship last after that? Not very long. <laughs> but, like, 
My current boyfriend, if I said that, he'd just be like, whatever. So Suck what, it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what is your advice for me in this hat situation? I feel like because it's not something that's put attached to you, like your hands. <laughs> or my genitalia. But, yeah, that you shouldn't worry too much about it because you should wear it with pride if you like it. But if you're like crumbling inside that you're and you want to remain completely attractive to your wife, irrespective of... I, th- I think that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah, well, just wear it then. But just also know that if you do, she may leave you for another man. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's coming for you. Jeff Lloyd, Can you believe they just did that? Adrift. How was your Mother's Day, by the way? Uh, it was fine. I got some chocolate, some wine, some tea towels. Tea towels? Yep, tea towels. Can you tell me more about the tea towels? They were from White Rose and they're kind of green and got leaves on them and stuff. Is there anything special about them? What are you hoping for? Some sort of gold leaf? Well, or... I don't know. Have they got a picture of John Travolta? It just oh. seems. Like, do, do, you, do you agree that it seems like a strange Mother's Day gift? It was a Mother's Day gift that uh, Tom was driving home after football, thought I haven't got Annabelle anything yet, stopped off at Waitrose, bought chocolates, bought wine and thought, oh, I've got something else. Oh, they've got some tea towels, i get those. Right, because, right, right. Because he doesn't like the tea towels that we have already that I bought. <laughs> So there you go. That's your question answers. He wanted new tea towels. Right. He wanted to find a way that I couldn't say, oh, I don't like those. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. We're not having them in the house. As it is, they're fine. Yeah, okay, okay. I'd, I'd planned our Mother's Day weeks in advance and then it all got thrown because of Gene and his, his oh, leg being in a right. cast. So I popped out on Mother's Day to buy flowers for Sarah. Hmm. And here's what I don't like about buying flowers. When you go in to buy flowers, they say, so how much were you thinking of spending? Oh, do they ask that? Have you never bought a bouquet of flowers? Not in a shop like that, I don't think. In no. a florist, you always no. go in, no. you say, hi, I'd like to buy a bouquet, please, and say, and what sort of, what sort of um, price did you have in mind? And I don't know anything about the price of flowers. Oh, you don't know how much, what, no. you, what you're getting for, yeah, see is, what you're saying. Is £30 yeah. a good yeah, amount, 50 yeah. Would that look rubbish? Is it £100? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think I just say a number and I always say a high number because I don't want to seem cheap <laughs> right and then oh. I don't know if the bunch of flowers I'm getting is really worth 20 pounds oh. or if they just think oh we saw him coming we're going to charge him 60 pounds for do you see what yeah, I mean good point like yeah. no other business does it work like no, that no no yeah mm. anyway so then I'm coming out of the florist you took home your two roses for yeah, 60 yeah, pounds yeah, yeah next <laughs> uh, and then uh, I come out of the florist and there's um a homeless woman in the neighbourhood who's who's been here a, a couple of years and I'll often have a little chat with her. So she's seen Gene, my son, from from when he was a newborn and now he's nearly three. And um, we came out the other day 
And she looked at him there in his pram and with his leg in a cast and she said, oh, he's really growing, isn't he? I say, yes, yeah, he is. And then what she does is she puts her hand on it, her belly and rubs it and says, just like his daddy. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. No. Yeah. What are you going to do? Never give her any money again. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? I'm shocked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was that was quite Whoa. something. Um, what else did I have to tell you about here? Uh, oh, I was going to tell you that I went to Liverpool the other day. Oh, you'll like this. Mm. So I went to Liverpool the other day, and it's for this American radio show that I do about yeah. the Beatles for Sirius Satellite Radio in the States. It's on the Beatles channel over there, and we go to different locations in the UK. It's called Get Back the Beatles in Britain. So quite often we're in Liverpool, and we went to Liverpool the other day to go to this museum called the Magical Beatles Museum. And it's been set up by, um, you're going to have to follow this, it's a little complicated. Okay. So Pete Best, you know Pete Best yeah, is? Original yeah. drummer in, in the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, his mum, mm-hmm. Pete Best's mum, yeah. was this incredible woman called Mona Best who basically had this big suburban house in Liverpool that she was able to buy because she won some money on the GGs, on the horses. Okay. And she opened a club in the basement for her teenage son. Oh, wow. A bit like when Prince Charles <laughs> opened a club in the basement of Highgrove, uh, his country house for Harry, because Harry had gone off the rails. And he thought, well, why do you need to go out to these clubs in Knightsbridge and Kensington when you can have your own club in the basement here? Called it Club H. Club H. Yeah. Oh. So tragic, that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, similar to that, yeah. yeah. So she opened uh, th- this club in the basement of a house in Liverpool for her teenage son, Pete Best, who, and, and you know, was a teenager in Liverpool, same time as the Young Beatles. And before it opened, John Lennon painted the ceiling in an Aztec style. Paul McCartney oh. painted this other area of it in different colours. So they were te- these teenagers who got this club ready to open and they didn't have a drummer at the time. They were sort of they they were the band that played on the opening night of this club as the Quarrymen, mm-hmm. um, and th- in a way they thought of it as much more their club than the Cavern ever was because the Cavern was after they you know they they played there as they were becoming more and more of a thing in Liverpool and they're very synonymous with it. But in terms of it being the place where they hung out in their origins, the Casbah, as this place was called, was was more of a place. Mm-hmm. And it was Pete Best's mum who opened it for her teenage son Pete, who was about eighteen at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So Pete Best had a friend called Neil Aspinall. Right. Neil Aspinall went on to be the Beatles' road manager. Okay. And he stayed with them throughout their fame. He was one of these two guys from Liverpool who were throughout the, you know, the whole time they were together. He then ran their affairs all through the 70s, 80s, all their lawsuits. He put together the anthology. In fact, he's the only person, I think, who isn't a Beatle, uh, George Martin or Derek Taylor, their press guy, who was interviewed. He's, he's like a big part of the Beatles story. Their right-hand man, okay. Neil Aspinall, who was the same age as Pete Best. Okay, mm-hmm. let's wind back to this club in the basement of her house. Yeah, Pete Best, Neil Aspinall, the Beatles are all teenagers. Yeah, Pete Best's mum. Yeah, gets into a relationship with Neil Aspinall. Oh, she's like thirty-seven. Whoa, he's eighteen. Whoa, and she gets pregnant by him. Oh, okay. So, so she has a son. Yeah, by the Beatles' best friend Neil Aspinall. Okay, around the same time that the Beatles fire her son, Pete Best, from the band. Right. So they've got rid of her son, the drummer, 
just as about as they're about to become incredibly famous and successful. Yeah. So she feels very protective. Yeah. At the same time, the guy she's in a relationship with and has just fathered a, a, a child with her Whoa. is their right-hand man and, and with them throughout their career. So that is a weird story yeah, to start yeah, with, right? Yeah, very. So this son is called Rogue Best. Rogue spelled R-O-A-G. Okay. And he is the guy who's opened this museum in Liverpool that, that we were at the other day. Okay. He's Pete Best's much younger, sort of 18 or 19 years younger brother. Wow. Who has opened a museum in Liverpool called the Magical Beatles Museum. And it's got all these artefacts that geeks like I would be interested in, like some of John Lennon's garden furniture okay. or Pete Best's old drum kit or a carrier bag. The Beatles briefly had a clothes shop and there's a carrier bag from this clothes shop. Okay. So it's incredibly, <laughs> you know, exciting for somebody as, as geeky as I am to go. Mm. There. Do you want to know like the weird thing about this museum? Go on. So Pete Best's brother has made a deal with Pete Best that once a month Pete will just go and wander around the museum while it's open. No, really? He wasn't there when you were there. (laughs) No, but don't you think that's the weirdest thing? It's so weird. It's this museum. Hey, Pete, you wouldn't mind just sort of having a wander around once a month and then the people who are in the museum can go, hang on a minute, isn't that Pete Best? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, good on him for for doing it. Yeah. We had him on the radio show once, Pete Best, and I had this idea we'd set up a drum kit for him and then get him to drum along with some Beatles records to hear how the Beatles would have sounded if Pete Best had been on drums instead of Ringo. Yeah. Took one look look at that kit and said, "No, absolutely no way am I going anywhere near it." Yeah, he refused, no. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. If you are a Beatles fan, I wholeheartedly uh, recommend that museum. It, and it's right across from the Cavern Club. So if you're in Liverpool, you can sort of combine a visit to the two two places. When you stop thinking, your mind begins to start loving. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports. Oh, touch it. Touch it. Rule school for fools. That wasn't everyone. <laughs> Was, fools wasn't ever mentioned? No, no fools. I thought somebody had suggested it on an email. Oh. Um, here at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Okay, what's the, what's the first one? Imperial Mistress Rebecca says, My query is not a unique situation. Actually, it's rather boring, but it is hideous and I need advice. An email comes around at work. Springtime drinks. I cannot be having drinks after work with work folks. My colleagues are all lovely, but the idea of spending hours trying to talk to them about normal things fills me with dread. Mm. Surely every drifter has been in a situation like this. We need definitive advice from the GLAP Clinic. With peace and love, peace and love, Imperial Mistress Rebecca. And just don't go. I mean... Well, I think you, you, this is what's going on here. Yeah, the advice is don't go, but you have to be prepared for the consequences of that and the consequences of being other. You will always be other from that moment onwards. So I I used to go to everything when I was a drinker and mm-hmm. then for a while afterwards because I felt I had to or mm-hmm. it, it would look good. Yeah. And then I just decided one day I wasn't going to go to anything yeah. apart from the Christmas party. Right. And do you think I became other? Yeah. <laughs> No, maybe less so because you had quite a high status at work. I mean, not that you were like, you know, a sort of CEO or anything, but you know what I mean? You were were different in that respect. So 
I think just for your sort of general staff, I think you will always be other. Well, you'll so, be left out. They'll be they'll be talking about it on Monday. Oh, you know, Jeremy did this and Stacey did that, and you won't be part of it. But let me ask you this question: mm. When you hear people saying Jeremy did this and Stacey did that, yeah. have you ever found yourself wishing, "Oh, I would have loved to have seen that"? No, no never. No, no, that's true. But you you might feel a bit left out. I I would just think, good, it's a conversation I don't have to be involved in. There's some of my <laughs> yeah, energy yeah, that yeah. I can keep to myself and not expend on having a conversation. But well, then I think Rebecca needs to take on that attitude. So then. what was it? So so if I if I'm not qualified to talk on this because apparently I was too too lofty to understand what it's like for an ordinary person. No. What is so you used to go to you also had this transformation. I went through this I went through the same thing because I always used to go to things and then I stopped drinking towards the end and so I just wasn't interested in going to these things anymore because everyone was so drunk because that was the culture of our workplace and I I became very much other very much generally and I really you... felt uh, other yeah and people stop asking and yeah you feel you feel other you feel you get treated a bit differently because you're not part of that gang anymore it's what happens, I think. If they were paying you to go, but you, do you know what I mean? You yeah. shouldn't be treated other in the workplace no. just because you're, you're not going out for drinks. Like you shouldn't I don't be mean obliged prof- to go no. out. I don't mean professionally treated other, but just sort of like on a, on a social aspect of the office. You're just slightly other. People are less friendly to you. You think so? Yeah, I do think so. I do think so. Well, this isn't good news, is it? But you know what? It depends on the office. Well, I think you're just backpedalling now. <laughs> but Rebecca could force herself to go and have a terrible night and then still feel other. I don't know. Well, you could do what I would do at a Christmas party, which is go for the shortest possible amount of time. Yeah. And I've told this story before, but yeah. there was like one of my great moments uh, was going to an office party for about 15 minutes and taking loads of selfies with different people, like with increasingly wild facial expressions and poses and stuff, and then posting them the next day saying, oh, what a night at the Christmas do. That is absolutely the answer. And it looks like you're there all night on Facebook and they're yeah. all so drunk that they don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeremy and Stacey, they've got yeah. no idea. So, I mean, I do, I do think there's something in this that you can go for... You, you, whatever the shortest amount of time you think you can go to one of these things for and it be socially acceptable, mm. you can definitely go for less time than that because you go, a few people see you, and then you leave without saying goodbye yeah. and people just assume you're in the toilet or you've gone outstairs or you're around somewhere talking to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if your workplace is too small, then it's a problem. Mm. But if, you, if it's more than, say, 25 or 30 people, you can absolutely do that. And people just assume that you were there all night. I think that's the thing to do then. Yeah, okay, we've got that one sold, yeah. I believe. Okay, let's move on to Ali. He says, um, oh, he says, I have a question for the GLAP Clinic, Problematic, Royal School, Quandary Corps, Knowledge College, or to suggest my own, Answer Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> the Answer Bonanza. Okay. Uh, am I the only one who finds it extremely awkward when you're out shopping and the person behind the checkout starts serving the next customer before the one in front has time to leave? They may still be gathering bags or putting away their wallet, for instance. If I'm the customer behind, I feel like I have to lean over the previous person to hand my shopping over to be scanned, creating an awkward mm. personal space crisis. If I'm the customer in front, it feels like I'm being rushed out of the shop, almost as if the checkout person is saying, I have no further use for you, be gone. It's like the retail equivalent of a one night stand. What's the correct approach to deal with such a nightmare scenario? So I think I've said before, I don't think there is any situation in life that causes me more anxiety than having a lot of shopping coming down the conveyor belt and not being able to get it into the bags quick enough. It's very stressful. It's Have you ever asked them to slow down? 
Because no. I, I said I once it was they were going like it was insanely. They were fast. going at breakneck pace, uh-huh. and I said something along like lines of "Whoa, this, this is fast," and she says something along like they were being checked or something, like there was some kind of how many th- things per minute or something. Oh. There was some new regulation, so I let her carry on, but it was extremely stressful. I mean, there's always the option of using the automated checkouts. Now, some people have a moral objection to that because they think they're taking away humans' jobs, which I understand, but I mm. think you know the march of progress and and all that, like you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, um, but those things, just getting things in the bags, and it's you're putting something in, and then saying you haven't. It's the void, little automated voice comes in. Oh, so, it's got it's all its own. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but so, it's difficult so when they the start. Ser- be- yeah, you're the person behind, and they and they start serving you, and it's difficult. What do you say in that situation? Do you say anything? I, t- I think it would be weird to sort of hold. B- I think it'd Excuse be weird me. to say anything. <laughs> yeah, so, I think it'd be weird to say. Why don't we all take a little pause while this person just <laughs> finishes collecting their their shopping? Yeah, that'd it's be difficult. A, that would be difficult. Yeah. Um, and if be- if you're the person being rushed away, do you say anything? No, the thing is, you can't. No. You know, both situations, you can't say anything. We just have to live with it. Yeah, yeah, because there's no. It, you can't even really delay things for any significant amount of time by putting things, your things on the conveyor belt to be scanned slower or putting them further back. No. Because this is still going to only save you a second or something. And then you've got the person behind you. Oh, I I've, feel like there's no answer to this. I know, I really This is the first wanna... time we've had no answer. No, I think this, it, you know, it happens more often than you think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we flatter ourselves. <laughs> That, uh, I wish I had an answer for this. I thought, well, what if what if we throw it back open to the drifters? Okay. So Annabelle and I are unable to come up with an answer for this one. But mm. if you have an answer, if you if there's something that we're missing, mm. then please let us know about it. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And the same email address as well. If you yourself need a, a social rule in a particular situation, then you can ask us and we'll give you an answer on the answer bonanza. Um, <laughs> hello at at adriftpodcast.com And that was our podcast. Thank you so much for listening to it, as ever. Pencil that date in your diary. Uh, We've got it on a heavy pencil. You can feel free to use a 2B or an HB. That is fine. 29th of June in Hebden Bridge. Look it up. It is an incredible place. And I think you would enjoy the trip there. And also, just, just imagine what fun it would be being amongst fellow drifters for an evening. Here's what I promise you. I promise you that we won't do that thing where sometimes people on a stage will say to audience members, okay, I want you to turn to the right and say hello to the person next to you. I promise you that will not happen. No, don't worry. Thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Awana Babu plugged everything in, made it work. Actually, I could probably do a ringing one of them. Got a bit of a technical problem. Don't need to go into here. (laughs) Carla Gowlett took the photos and the artwork was made by Kim Rainey Kim Rainey good old Kim Rainey sorry I'll tell you why I just did that did you forget no I didn't forget (laughs) at the end of the other podcast I tend to do the credits but Ed really loves saying the name of the person who did the artwork which is Emily Power Ah. so I'll always go and the artwork was made by and he'll go Emily Power he really enjoys Ah. saying it for some reason Uh, do uh, do, um, share your story with us or ask us 
uh, about your quandary and quandary corner it's hello at adriftpodcast.com that's hello at adriftpodcast.com and uh, one one last thing to say ah it's like a little claw Drift. Podication time. Annabelle just had to prompt me. <laughs> forgotten. I was, I was sitting there going, what are we doing? Uh, this comes from Richard Cosgrove, who says, Hola, Jeffy, Annabelle. Hola. Hola. Did I pronounce that E right? Yeah. So that is Spanish for and, is it? Yeah. Okay, good info. Uh, the reason for the Spanish greeting is because i've been living in tenerife for the past two months it's exciting isn't very it? exciting it says does that make me your only tenerife listener we'd have to uh we'd have to check on our, our stats and mm. not looked at those for a while oh let's check should in i time. do it now did you say mm. let's check another yeah, time yeah, yeah. you want to go don't I've you got, i've got seven minutes left of parking okay okay <laughs> um or is it difficult to see because holiday makers come to the island and bring you and your podcast in their pockets to listen to around the pools and on the beach? Would that come up? Yeah. Oh, would it? Okay. Well, I think it just knows where somebody is listening. It doesn't know whether you're on holiday or not. Okay, <laughs> okay yeah. right. Um, if you have a GPS possibility to see where people are listening from, Jeff, uh, I'm surely the one listener that is two kilometres from the southern airport as nearly all holidaymakers head for the main towns. And we can pinpoint him now on the map. Great. Um, The last time I wrote to you was a few years back when I was working at a major PLC... Sorry, I just uh, kicked the microphone stand there. I don't even know if you heard it on the podcast, so (laughs) why did I mention it? I was working for a major PLC company and I was living in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, yet spending my weekdays in Edinburgh. So I was doing the early commute on a Monday up and around the A1 coastal route. Yes, I do remember I talking remember about this, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was stunning in the summer and hideous in the winter. And the same return journey back on a Friday whilst listening to your radio show as a podcast. At that time, I was trying to get my friend Jeff to listen to the show and also my boss, Australian Jeff with a J, to listen also. Unfortunately, no matter how enthusiastic I tried to tell people about your show, it did seem to fall on deaf ears. Oh, Jeff and Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, 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 and Jeff. Uh, well, roll forward three years of my life has taken a complete turn. However, I don't feel it's for the worse. No, I mean, I just think you were doing that beautiful drive, even in the winter. I think I would like to, you know, I, I think there's something quite nice about a bleak, wintry day looking at a windswept. Mm coast yeah you know even that i think would be means peering through rain on a windscreen i guess rain not quite yeah yeah yeah. um but anyway i'm really i'm not so much disappointed in the australian jeff with the j it's the g G jeff Jeff. yeah Yeah, you feel that one more do you yeah i do yeah yeah Uh, Anyway, Richard continues, my life has taken a complete turn for the different. Does that have the same ring to it? I'm not sure. It may need some work. Um, Being a statistic in the marriage game, I decided rather than being a newly single man in a lonely flat in the UK, I would take the ball by the horns. And if I'm going to be miserable, I may as well be with sunshine on my back and not with damp in my bones. I booked a one-way flight to Tenerife and here I find myself. This is great. I do feel envious about people. I mean, I know obviously, you know, a situation happened which probably was emotionally difficult at the time, Richard. But people who can just up sticks and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Start, start again. Um, Starting again. Yeah. It's great. Um 
He says, how brave and good for you, you say. Not really. It was a lot easier for me to make the decision as my mother had lived on the island for 30 years, my sister here for 20 years. So the support network is in place, to be fair. Before I carry on my story, I just want to stipulate that even though I've heard every single one of your episodes of Adrift, I personally don't really class myself as a drifter, so to speak. The reason is because like everything in my life, rather than jumping in uh, something feet first, whether that be work-related, group activity-related, or socially classing myself, I like to always think of myself as the man who stands on the sidelines, casually looking in. What is ironic is that when I write that, is that not classic <laughs> drifter characteristic? I'll just leave that there. Mm, well, yeah, I think it probably yeah, could be. Yeah, I think it is. Um, due to my drastic change in circumstance both in my life and also monetary I am one of those guilty people who as yet haven't donated to Patreon no problem we really appreciate it if you do it helps to keep the podcast going but there is no pressure to do so no, either no. Uh, but I assure you in the future when my circumstances change for the better I will be logging on and signing up so instead I've taken it upon myself to be the unofficial voice of your podcast in Tenerife <laughs> and the Canaries Ooh. and I take it upon myself to promote your show whenever the opportune moment oh, comes along yes, yes. marketing in, in the Canaries He's good. He says, I just hope I'm more successful than I was with Jeff and mm. Jeff. And then you'll gain a few more listeners. Mm. I was confused at first when I got my Spanish SIM card for my phone and the following podcast I heard then had Spanish adverts on before the show and not the English speaking. Are you aware that adverts are GPS based and not just generic? A fact I would like to share with you. I think I sort of knew they were different. I don't don't think it occurred to me that the other languages. I didn't. That's really interesting. Uh, Now, people who know me all have the impression that I'm the type of person who is extremely happy in his own company and is quite capable of looking after himself and his his own circumstances. When people look at me, confident is always a word that's used to describe me. Throughout the majority of my life, this has been the case. But due to the situation of leaving a house full of family, including my two daughters and even my two dogs, Penny and Barbara. Remember them? Barbara was the one named Princess Barbara of Cramlington. And moving to first a lonely flat in a town I didn't really know, but it was easier for the kids to visit. Then to a completely different country, learning to establish myself again whilst learning the language. Loneliness and unhappiness does unfortunately sometimes come knocking. And that's where you guys come in. And it doesn't just mean us, it means the listeners mm-hmm. too. Uh, listening to all of the stories of people's situations and social awkwardness while I'm alone walking, headphones in my ears, really helps me with the real moments of loneliness and I now sometimes experience. Over the last few years, it's been a new feeling that isn't pleasant and can sometimes uh, really turn my day into a right bummer, so to speak. I'm not worried about the feeling, though, as I refuse to be someone who loses out to that feeling. And I purposely throw myself into situations you and your listeners would cringe at just to keep testing myself, like going into local pubs and starting conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, joining the local pool team. I'm rubbish at pool. and trying to get a poker night started. I think I may be a drifter in sheep's clothing, <laughs> so to speak. Or a wolf? Wolf's clothing. <laughs> um The reason podication is threefold. One, Annabelle said the bulldog clip was getting empty. Do you have that? Or like all big companies, they check your cardboard box of belongings before you left and said that belongs to the company, you have to leave it? Uh, I do not. I don't think I have it anymore, no. But it wasn't taken from you forcibly. No, (laughs) no, no, I didn't have to leave it behind. 
Two, apologies for not being a Patreon yet. Forget about it, honestly. Yeah. It says, even though I skipped that bit of the podcast, I purposely stay tuned so my guilt oh, can get to me every time and I can question if I'm in a position to subscribe yet and promise mm-hmm. to promote your show for another week on the island. Thank you, thank you. So says, I feel a bit like the man who wraps the barbed wire around his leg in the Da Vinci Code, self-flagellation. Uh, he says, three, to give a podication to my big sister, Gaynor, who's lived on Tenerife for the last 20 years without her the last six months, even though this has been an extremely emotional roller coaster ride, would have been absolutely hell for a control freak like me uh, to see everything I hold dear fall around me and collapse like a flan in a cupboard oh a flan in a cupboard without knowing it she's been the rock I cling on to on this rock of an island and when I'm up to date with your podcast and I have nothing else to listen to and I have nothing else to do feeling the fear of despair coming in her and her husband are the people with the open door and the glass of wine and the friendly ear for me to bend whenever I need it for a strong person in inverted commas like me this is really difficult to write and for a strong and inverted female uh, sorry strong and inverted commas female like her this will even be even harder for her to hear she <laughs> hates praise just like you mm. i mean i like it i just don't know how to deal with it <laughs> yeah. is my problem uh, i love her so much and even though i'm 46 years old sometimes the little boy inside needs the help of his big sister and she's never let me down and is always there for me and for that i am eternally grateful she doesn't listen to the show jeff but do not fear <laughs> i've decided alfredo the bar owner below my apartment will have to wait while i change my attention to my sister and her husband and try and make sure they are the next two yes. listeners of your show i will let you know how i get on he says so please keep up the average work you're helping people like me and many more i am sure i give the appearance of uh, swans on a lake Whilst uh, he says, sorry, this is people like him mm. and him, uh, sure, give the appearance of swans on a lake whilst all our little legs are kicking furiously under the tranquil water of life. All the best. Adios, Richard Stroke Ricardo in Tenerife. I've got a quick update from him oh, because yeah? this publication was sent in November. And as I said before, we've got a little bit of a backlog. And so I let him know that it was going to be on this week's show. And he told me he's just got the keys to his three bedroom villa overlooking a golf course. His daughters love the fact he lives in Tenerife and have been to visit and they've got a bedroom each. And guess what? What? He's happy. Oh, that's Yay. great. That's, congratulations. Well, Richard, um, congratulations. Annabelle, you, you're parking. We've probably Oops. gone over. I'm going to have to let you go. Okay. Which is a shame because I had something I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I had an issue I wanted to bring up. A bone I had to pick with you. Right. I, a, a police officer apprehended me the other day. Yeah. I can't say where and I can't say his name. Yeah. But he, oh. he was quite upset with you. Yeah. Uh, he's a listener of the podcast still, mm. but I mean, he's quite aggrieved because he wrote to you oh, years ago asking if you could come and sit in on the radio show. You oh. never replied to oh. him. He now thinks that all that stuff we used to say on the radio show about it being an open door and oh, any time no. you want to come and visit, he thinks come. it was just lies. No. He thinks I said no, no often, and I'd try and like name some of the people who came to visit, oh. like Becky. Rell and so of on. Well, he thinks we're making it all up, and it's all because you never replied to his email. No, I just didn't but, want. I just didn't want him to come. I'm joking. <laughs> but oh. unfortunately, because of the sensitive nature of his work, uh, it's very impressive what he does. I, I can't say any more, but he, he's the, he'll know who he is because he is the, the tall and handsome and charismatic policeman oh, who does a job that is so important that it's, it's impossible to mention. I'm so sorry to this person. Ugh, terrible. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.